Hello, everybody. This is Dan Woods at the Early Adopter Research Podcast. And I'm going to be talking today with Eric Yuan, the CEO and founder of Zoom, the video conferencing company that has experienced tremendously rapid growth. What we're going to do is talk to Eric about the stories that we've been writing about what a startup is. I recently wrote an article in Forbes called, What Does the Word Startup Mean in 2018? And in that article, I tried to point out that the word startup is no longer as easy to define as it used to be. There's four characteristics I focused on. One is, are you searching for a business model? Two is, are you accepting venture capital financing? Three is, are you focused on rapid growth? And four is, do you strongly embrace aspects of startup culture? Now, I spoke to a variety of, of, of executives who are in companies that had figured out their business models, uh, you know, but they still considered themselves startups. You know? and, and then if you look at the popular press, companies like WeWork that are considering taking billions in investments are still talked about as if they're startups. Recently, I talked to uh, Frank Bien, the CEO of Looker, and it was really interesting because his view of what a startup was, was that it was all about culture. It was all about focusing on growth. It was all about um, uh, maintaining certain values. And in, in that sense, it was as if he never wanted to leave the world of startups. And then the question becomes, what is it important about you know, a startup that makes you want to embrace and keep that culture? And frankly, when you look at that culture, when you look at the focus on growth, you know, it's often the case that even large companies maintain many aspects of startups like Amazon or Netflix or Facebook, Google. They all, ask, they all preserve their, their aspects of it. So as a CEO, it's your job to uh, you know, maintain that. And that's really interesting. That's really hard is how do you maintain as you grow that, that special sauce, that culture, that, that, that nature of innovation that keeps you, you know, fresh and innovative as opposed to getting stale. So, Eric, so happy to be with you today. Um, you know, what I'd like to do is start off with, if you could tell me a little bit about the Zoom origin story. You know, what was it that led you to, to, to need to found Zoom? You know, what was the, 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 the gap that you felt? Yeah, Dan, thank you for having me. So Zoom is still a very young startup company. It's just seven years old, and I'm the founder and the CEO. So prior to founding Zoom, I was at Cisco for almost five years, and I was uh, Cisco's corporate vice president in charge of its collaboration software development. So I came to Cisco as part of the WebEx acquisition. I joined WebEx very early, very early on as one of the first several founding engineers, ultimately, I became vice president of engineering. So before I left Cisco, so every day when I talked with the WebEx customer, I did not see a single happy customer. I personally, I felt very embarrassed. I really wanted to fix that problem. At Cisco, I cannot do that because Cisco was unwilling to change its collaboration strategy. So I had to leave to build a new solution to bring in the happiness back to WebEx customers. So what was it that you thought was making them unhappy? Because when WebEx was built like 20 years ago, 1997, you know, the, the use case was about screen sharing. You know, meaning when you and I in the audio conference call, how to 
facilitate sharing your desktop content, like your 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 PowerPoint or your brother, right? Back then, we never thought about a video. We never thought about a mobile. We never thought about global availability. Not to mention like a conference room solution, right? Architecture is not right. User experience also not right. You cannot tweak WebEx. The only way is to fix that problem is to build something from the ground up. Well, you know, so, that's very interesting you mentioned that because the, my experience, and I used WebEx and I used GoToMeeting, as I was telling you when we were talking before the call started, and what I noticed about them is that they were mostly about, uh, everything was contained in a meeting. The idea is that you had to set up a meeting and then you could do your collaboration. While I think the, the magic of Zoom that I've experienced, and I'm a Zoom user, is that Zoom is about creating the presence and then if there's a meeting associated with it, then you can take that presence and attach it to a meeting. But the presence is first, not the meeting. I think you are right on. So in our words, it's more like an experience. It just works, it's very easy. You know, you do not think that's a meeting, that's a real conversation like today. I think you are right on. Got it. Now, so you decided that you needed to fix this by fixing the fundamental architecture. And so you then, when you're doing that, you obviously have to go through and become a startup company. Now, what it seems to me, and my last conversation with Frank Bien of Looker, he said, you know, what scales is your culture, you know? And so what did you, what did you want to, uh, you know, imbue in your, uh, your company when you started it out? How did you uh, define what you were all about culturally so that you could attract the right people so that you could you know uh, make the right decisions as you grew so that's a great question so the way i look at this is that you know startup is a long journey right it's you cannot you know do something over the night right it's, it's got to focus on something for many years to achieve something so having said that how can you make sure you always enjoy that start a journey, not one year, two years, 10 years, that's very important. One thing I learned when I was before at Cisco, Cisco WebEx is that to make sure every employee happy, that's really important. Otherwise, there's no productivity. Employee not happy, the customer not happy. So our culture is to focus on delivering happiness. The meaning internally, we all care about each other. We all make sure each other happy. Ultimately, our goal as a business to make sure customer happy. So happiness is our culture. Otherwise, you know, startup is a long journey. You know, sometimes if I'm if I'm not happy, guess what? Our employee, they know that they are not going to be happy, right? So our number one goal at Zoom is make sure every employee happy. Now, how if do you do happy, that? How do you do that with the pressures of a startup, which are that you have to compete against well-funded competitors? You have to you make the investment capital that you have go as far as you possibly can. You have to innovate, but also be efficient and innovating, you know, and be, you know, operationally efficient. I mean, you know, happiness is a large goal. How do you devolve that tactically into a set of, of policies that, you know, that, that actually achieve happiness, but also achieve high performance and innovation? I think you are so right, you know, on a surface, you know, level, you feel like those two things are very different. I think it is 
this is one thing. The reason why I say today, when we talk about girls, we probably always think about how to get a new customers, a new prospect. However, our philosophy is that we need to spend more time to make sure our existing, existing customer happy, right? If existing customer happy, guess what? They are going to refer other potential prospects to us. Otherwise, even if you get more customers, your existing customer not happy, they might cancel your service. You still cannot grow, right? I also, you know, look at an employee. If they are not happy, guess what? Even if they are in the office for eight hours, you do not dare to let those employees talk with the customers, right? So ultimately, if employee happy, a lot of process, a lot of things can be done in a more effective way. Got but it. That's why we think growth and employee happiness are same thing. Right, but, but what, I mean, there's a balance here in every, in every regard. I mean, everybody who comes to work wants to make a good salary. They want to have a, a chance to become uh, more wealthy through a growth of the company, whether it's stock options or restricted stock. They want to have a good work-life balance. They want to be, you know, in part of making important decisions and doing important work. So how do you make sure that, that, that all of that is is how do you is balanced how do you like uh you know what are the what are the specific cultural values that you 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 decided that we were going to do what were the more specific things that ensure people are happy so the way i look at this if you think about the balance is really hard because whenever it comes to balance you know there's no perfect answer so from our perspective we look at whatever we're doing is to make sure that's a sustainable. So meaning, even if you see you make a lot of money, is that a sustainable? Will that make you very happy in the long run or not, right? So that's why when we talk about the business, when we talk about happiness, we tell employees, most important thing every day when you come to office is make sure ask about yourself a question. Are you happy or not? If you're not, try to understand what had happened. But what's the root cause and fix that? If you are happy, everything else will follow. Because company will grow, right? The stock will be, price will be up. We have more revenue. Other employees, your team is also be happy. And also they will make you happy as well. So that's so, why happiness is sustainable. Right, and so in my previous writing, I've talked about um, the, uh, the way you defined a startup. And so one way you define a startup is a company that's searching for a business model. No, you're beyond that. You've found your business model. The next level is, are you accepting venture capital financing? And you are accepting cap venture capital financing and perhaps will even accept more in, in the future. And then the next is, uh, are you focused on rapid growth? You know, and I think the answer there is yes. And finally, do you have aspects of startup culture? So let's talk about your focus on growth and your focus on startup culture. There's so many different ways of being a startup. You know, there's, there's some, some companies are very focused on metrics and they want to do it, whatever makes their metrics work. You talk about happiness as a value, but then how does that involve into a style? Like, does that mean that, that you want to make sure that everybody only works 50 hours a week, 40 hours a week? Does it mean that you um, uh, give everybody lunch? I mean, you know, does it mean that like at, 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 um, at the looker uh, meeting, he talked about how 
you know, they wanted to share the love of Looker, you know, with the clients, you know, and, and show the clients that they really love them and also show the employees that they did. They, they also had the idea of a kitchen table where you could come and ask questions and, you know, everybody's around the kitchen table sharing and, and understanding each other. What are the kind of specific practices that you have at Zoom to help you keep the happiness? Yeah, for sure. You know, we offer the free lunch as well, Monday to Thursday, right? Friday, we can go outside and hang out for the lunch. And also, we like employees to, to keep learning. That's why they can buy any books. We reimburse all the books, not only for themselves, but also if they buy a book for the family, we always reimburse, right? We also have uh, every, you know, uh, two weeks, I have an all-hands meeting. You know, prior to meeting, they can ask about any questions anonymously because we, we want to make sure any questions from employee, as long as the questions are from employees, anything. We never wanted to hide anything because we want to create, uh, build an open and a transparent culture. Because ultimately, when it comes to startup, speed is everything, right? We want to build a very, you know, the trustable culture here, right? Employees all trust each other. I trust our employees, they trust me because we all understand our intention is good. So how to build a trust, right? You know, we, we, we quite often, we listen to our employees, you know, some uh, feedback, some ideas, you know, we listen to them. And then we quickly implement those ideas, you know, in our company. And of course, our focus is not about the rapid growth. I don't like rapid growth. We like sustainable growth. Now, that's more important. What's the difference between rapid growth and sustainable growth? Rapid growth meaning you just look at a number, right? You know, metrics, quarter over quarter, year over year, just a number. But what if next year or next two years, right? You always focus on a number, forget about sustainability, right? Because even if, see, like, a, a, I do not want to mention our competitor, probably their revenue number is still pretty big and it's still growing. Is that a sustainable? It's not because the product does not work very well. Employee not happy. You know, someday they are going to have a problem. That's why you focus on the foundation. Make sure your product really works. Make sure your price is also better. Make sure your existing customer happy. Make sure employee, they all are very happy to come to the office. Those metrics are more important just than look at the number. And so what's the cost of like rapid growth as, as opposed to sustainable growth? What's a, what's a good example? Can you, can you think of any company that, that you know, famously pursued rapid growth and then, then, then was not able to sustain it? Yeah, I'll give you one example. So like, uh, you know, a long time ago, right? Look at a social networking, like a company like a Friendster, right? Suppose that the first social networking company, even way before Facebook, Suppose they should be today's Facebook. They have, you know, grows very well. So many new users. I was also one of the early users as well. But it's very slow. The product is not good, right? They should stop everything to make the product better. Before they talk about anything else, they did not do that, right? You know, finally, actually, you know, nobody's going to use that product anymore because it's so slow. They did not fix that problem. Even if you have so many users, but the product does not work very well. That's not sustainable, right? That's a good example. Got it. And so you, 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 the, the idea is that they ignored, it's not so much that they pursued rapid growth, they had rapid growth, but they ignored sustainability. They didn't exactly. look at what was going to preserve sustainability. So what are the things that you've done at Zoom 
to preserve sustainability of your growth? So first of all, when it comes to growth, you know, we not only look at the number, but the most important thing is make sure I ask the question for anything we are looking at, either the revenue number or NPS score or any survey, right? So make sure we, we got to ask a question, question, is that sustainable or not? So meaning, even if your number is good, your customer like it, we want to make sure what if next year, what if next quarter, do you still can achieve that same success or not, right? I'll give you one example, like the product. The customer like our product today, you know, better than any other competitors. But we cannot just stop here. We always say, what if competitor, they catch up with the same product? Can we still survive, right? What's the, the other cool things in the pipeline? You got to be very paranoid. When you are paranoid enough, quite often, whatever you're doing, is it sustainable? Got it. So you have to be suspicious of your success and, 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 and looking out for threats. Very true. Got it. Now, um, do you find that the um, uh, uh, way that you train your managers um, uh, has developed into a methodology? Because I just recently looked at the leadership uh, you know, uh, uh, definition of Amazon. And they have a, a bunch of characteristics that explain what leaders do, you know, and it's all about taking responsibility about, you know, uh, solving the deeper problem, thinking in the long term, you know, uh, 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 being, you know, somebody who is uh, getting the job done, you know, and, and how would you describe the kind of leadership principles at Zoom? I think two, two things, you know, from our perspective, very important. First of all, you know, we, you know, Zoom has a company value, just one word, care. So meaning care about the community, care about the customer, care about the company, care about the teammates, and care about ourselves. I want to make sure all the employees here, not only leaders, but every employee, they got to follow the company value. That's the most important thing. That's number one thing. Number two, for our leaders, manager here, I read one of them every day, every weekday, at least spend five to 10 minutes and put that into the calendar to think, always think, if you start over today, what can they do differently, right? And also every day spend some time, really think about the business, think about what can go wrong, what works, what does not work. As long as every leaders they start thinking every day, I would say everything else relatively easy. They, they, they are very smart, right? They can fix all the problems. The problem is quite often they're too busy. It did not take a step back to think. I think that those two things are very important for us. Now, I recently have started working on a project with an incubator uh, where they were talking about how to repurpose the general scrum methodology as a general innovation methodology. And so, you know, in a startup, you said you want to have fast cycles, which is great. But then you obviously, when you have fast cycles, you want to be able to deliver product quickly. And, you know, and then, and then you have fast delivery cycles, not just, you know, cycles of development. And then you, when you have that, you also have to think big. And so you have a backlog in the scrum methodology of things that you're going to do immediately, which are usually smaller tasks, then things that are lower down, which are bigger tasks, and eventually as they get close to the top, they become, you know, broken down into smaller tasks. How do you run, you know, innovation so that you can 
you know, that, that in, a, in, a, in a product that must have five or six major engineering components, um, you know, how do you organize that rapid innovation inside each of the components, but then across all of the components as well, so that you can maintain that rapid cycle? Do you use Scrum? Do you use your own kind of specialized agile methodology? You know, what, what is your approach to that? Yeah, we follow the standard. I do not think, uh, you know, there's any new process, right, you know, to, to come up with a new innovation, you know, the, the model, right, to develop your product. But ultimately, I think, uh, you know, for every engineer, right, whenever they write a code, we also want to make sure the code is sustainable. So quite often, you know, they work very hard, write some code, you know, build a feature. But guess what? You know, several months later, they need to rewrite that code. Right? Because either the, the architecture not right or they misunderstand the use case. We want to make sure every code engineer they are writing, the code will be there in the next several years. So that's really important. Otherwise, quite often you see the team very busy. Guess what? They are trying to fix all the bugs. They're trying to refactor the code. They're trying to optimize, fix the security issues. That's too late. On day one, they need to make sure the code is clean. Make sure you know, they do not need to spend the time to always you know, go back to fix all the issues. That's the number one important thing. So number two, when you try to build some innovative features, you know, sometimes you really want to oh, hurry up to add the features. I would say take a step back. Really ask about the question, is this the feature? The customers, they all needed that. They all needed that not only this year, but also next year. Quite often, when you talk to customers, they not only share the problem with you, but also share the solution with you. If you take that solution, you might have fixed the wrong problems. That's why, you know, to start with, we got to be a little bit slow to really understand why we need that feature. Until we get all the signals, yes, we have to build that feature, and then we go full speed. If you focus on those two things, quite often, I think your productivity is, is pretty, pretty healthy. So you're saying that you're really focused on long-term quality of the code and long-term quality of your product management decisions. So it sounds like that the most powerful person at Zoom would be the product management team who is trying to understand, are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? We're, we now have enough signals. We're ready. We're going to do this. I mean, do you have a very strong product management team? We do have a very strong PM team, but I would say that's not the most powerful people. I do not think that's from product manager, go to from engineers who are going to write the code. They need to make sure the code is solid. They need to make sure they really understand why they have to write a code to deliver that feature. Those engineers are very, very important. If they don't understand, they don't write any code. I see. So you're saying that the engineers, it has to make, they have to have a deep feature level user experience understanding before they start writing the code. And so it's a conversation. The, the product managers, say we're ready to go on these features, but then the engineers have to absorb them and really understand them in order for you really to do it. Absolutely. They need to understand what's the problem they're trying to solve. Why you need to build this feature? If you do not understand the problem, it's just to blindly follow the PM, very often the code is not good. It's not sustainable. They need to take some time to refactor the code to support other features. It's not flexible. And so you're saying essentially that your engineers are, are very, 
must have to have a very strong product management understanding in order to do their jobs. They can't very just write code. They have yes. to understand the product. Very true. Very, very true. Yes. Now, the other things you mentioned, you know, writing code that is good for the long term, that is secure, that is, you know, doesn't have to be refactored. Now, this is a this is an art, you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't see how you could implement uh, a methodology that would say, OK, our methodology will prevent refactoring. You know, uh, I mean, you know, how do you this this is all about quality and, and thinking big and design. And, 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 and having a deep understanding that is, that is rigorously challenged. Do you have a methodology or is that a, a more of a cultural thing? So back to the, your, your, your earlier question, you asked about what's the difference between rapid growth and the sustainable growth. This is another example, right? So quite often, you know you are going to build a feature. That's two ways. One way is just to quickly have that feature, you know, one week. I'll have this feature, I can ship it to the customer, I let the customer test, and then I can release that. But guess what? Several weeks later, a customer found security issues, maybe performance is not great, maybe you know, other issues, right? So the sustainable growth is that on day one, you not only write the code to implement this feature, but also should consider how scalable, how to deploy this feature, how secure this feature, you know, make sure the architecture is right. If you do not consider all those kind of things, you just focus on the product, you can have a rapid growth because you can give the feature to customer next week. But guess what? It's not a sustainable, right? It's not a scalable, right? When you have uh, 10 million users, that feature will be broken. You know, quite often in a startup company will say, hey, let's not worry about that. Let's, when we have a 10 million users, Let's worry about the scalability. Let's fix, uh, fix the security issues. That's too late. That's not sustainable. But then how do you get, the, you know, you're asking a lot of the engineering team. How does the engineering team, um, you know, maintain that awareness of all of those dimensions, you know, uh, at once? I mean, because often, you know, it's, it's hard to, you, you know, mo most often you learn from mistakes. You learn from you know, failure and, um, and, 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 and making that mistake that leads to this scalability problem, making that mistake that leads to the security problem. How do you, you know, absorb all that experience so that people know to do that as early as possible? Well, this is very hard. It's not that easy for sure, right? Even if we know that, we, all, we, always, we are always making mistakes every day, right? Because you have, you hire new engineers, you know, as so many features, one task, you might break that. So ultimately, you got to do focus on education. Make sure you always communicate with the team, right? Let them really understand that, right? And don't always focus on that feature. Think about that feature not only work, but also that feature sustainable. You do not need to go back to fix the security issues. You know, do not need to fix the performance issues. So on, on the one hand, education. On the other hand, you also need to have a process. The manager, they review the code, always ask the question, you know, what if you have, a, you know, 100 times more users? Will that feature still work or not? How about the performance? How about the security, right? I, I think it's, you have to have a process. And those two things, process and education. Even if you do that, I, I, I do not think, you know, you are, you are going to achieve uh, you know, a perfect, Result. You still have a problems here and there. But again, 
I do not have uh, you know a secret sauce how to make it perfect so so and then do you still do you think that zoom will always stay in some sense a startup do you do you see that basically you know the values you have are startup values and you always want to be considered a startup I think from a culture perspective, we will always want to make sure we have a startup culture, right? Meaning always focus on speed, right? Speed is everything, right? And uh, otherwise, when you grow bigger and a bigger, com bigger company, customer, they share feedback with you, will take you like one month, still did not get it back to customer. That's not a right culture, right? You know, and uh, no matter how big, you know, how many years of history of a company, we still want to make sure really care about a customer, really focus on the speed. You know, like Amazon, right? You know, they have a day one, you know, uh, the philosophy. I think that's very right. What, what would you, how do you, would you explain their day one philosophy? So, no matter how successful you are, always think about where you are coming from, right? Always be paranoid, work hard to serve a customer well. Right? I think that's startup culture. That's a day one culture. Because on day one, every startup company, they all work very hard. Otherwise, they cannot survive on day two. Right? They need to serve a customer well. Don't forget about that. Even if you have more customers, even if you build a bigger business. And what do you think the mistakes that uh, the people make you know, when they, they, uh, they get into the Silicon Valley you know, startup sort of ecosystem? What do you see the mistakes that startups make most often? I, I do not think, uh, you know, uh, there are some like uh, very obvious common mistakes because, you know, this is a ecosystem so healthy, you know, every startup company, have VC, they all have those companies. But I think they all understand that. Like we are, we understand so many things. Guess what? We're still making mistakes every day. I would say one thing is mistake is, mistake is common mistake is that is really focus on the growth, really kind of uh, try to, you know, become like a 10 times bigger or, or more customer revenue. I would say, don't think about the growth that much. Always think about how to make sure your existing customer happy. Even if you do not grow that much, but your existing customer happy, sooner or later, you will achieve that growth. Just be patient. Got it. And so, uh, this has been really interesting uh, uh, to talk to you. Uh, uh, I would love to keep this conversation going as you, uh, you know, grow. And also, I'd love to come back and talk to you more about your engineering challenges uh, because, you know, you, you've basically set out a, a real challenging um, uh, a job for your engineering team. You know, it seems like the engineering team is very primary and very empowered and uh, uh, plays a role that is that is far beyond just engineering, but is also very linked to product management. And, and, and it's almost as if they have a, uh, a veto in a way, you know, if they can't understand it, they're not going to build it. Yeah, that's right. That's the other thing is about a rapid growth and a sustainable growth, right? You just want to deliver the feature next week. If engineers do not understand, guess what? Even if they can deliver that feature, the code is not sustainable. You need to rewrite the code in the future. Got it. Well, Eric, this has been a really fun conversation. Um, I'm happy to have you on the Early Adopter Research Podcast, and I look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. Appreciate it for the time.